1: Actually, a pocket quarterback, who knew, oh my goodness.
2: Castles to Must be through at the 30, 35, 40. Put race down the right side, here he goes at the 50, 20 to the Miami 30, 20 at the 10. A swipe of the ankles, they can't get him, touchdown Christian McCaffrey. They can't get him, they can't get
3: him, you're right. They can't get him, but you can catch us. That's the C3 Panthers podcast, live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. where we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions. We're the longest-running Panthers podcast out there, taking over Panther Nation, helping you guys uh, keep that conversation going every week, every day of the year, because that's what we got to do. We've got to grow Panther Nation together, and my buddy Cody Lashney is here to do it with me tonight. Cody, how's
1: it going, man? what's going on man it's another tuesday night you know as always there's nowhere i'd rather be than right here right now we have a fantastic show planned tonight uh you know there's not a whole lot of news but hey we always have something to bring to the awesome most best chat room that there is in panthers football we see you all we love you let's have a great show tonight man let's roll
3: All right, we do have a good show tonight. We're going to be talking about the Panthers Hall of Honor, uh, some changes made to Rookie Minicamp, which begins on Friday, uh, some roster moves. But we also have a special guest tonight. We've got Joe Blewett, who is from uh, Turn On the Jets podcast, and he's just starting a brand new film scouting channel, uh, Joe's Film Room. He's dedicated. He's got an in-depth podcast that is, or a podcast that's dedicated in-depth film review. He's going to be joining us about 15 after the hour uh, because he's done a lot of work on Brian Burns. So Joe Blewett, you can follow him at Joe RB31. That's at Joe RB31. You guys go ahead and give him a follow and tell him that you are ready to see what Brian Burns has got. Um, also go ahead and turn your phone to portrait mode, ask Susan how to do that. She can help you out with that project now and smash that thumbs up button. It helps the word get out that this podcast is is rocking and rolling. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate it. Tell a friend about a podcast. If you're watching on Facebook, give us a like, share it in a Facebook group. Or drop a little tweet out saying, "Hey, you like this show? You like how we talk about the Panthers with you guys and feature your voice every Tuesday night?" And the best way to be a part of the show is in the chat room, and also to call the cat calls line. The number is two five two, two two eight fifty ninety eight. That's 5098 You will we'll get you put, we'll get you on the podcast, man. You can call anytime, day or night. And we'll plug you. We'll we'll put you on the show when um, we got uh, G Cavassier lock, locked and loaded in the cat calls later on this uh, tonight. Now, Cody, let's go ahead and jump into the show. Last week there was a teaser video that came out with David Tepper, and David Tepper was uh, in in contact with a uh, a former Panther player, undisclosed who it was going to be. Then and the talk was that they were going to expand the Hall of Honor, has not had a player added since only one player and really one, I think, team coach or executive from the very first year, Sam Mills, and one other person who was not a player. No additions made since 1995 or since I think when we added Sam Mills. The point being is David Tepper, he's listened to the fans He's listened to a lot of things That people have been calling for Whether it comes from the practice facility uh, Whether it, it, it comes from um, uh, Highlighting some of the fan Experience and doing some different things You already hear about them talking about Adding party decks and stuff But now he goes on and he says It's due time to expand The Hall of Honor And uh, they're going to add some more Panther players They didn't tell us who it was going to be So Cody, I know a lot of people were excited About this, when you heard this you know, um, first, long overdue, it seems like there is a lot of guys. We're starting to become an insta- uh, a team that is getting a history to it, right? You've been to the Super Bowl twice. You've got yeah. some Hall of Famers on your team. In a way, is that um, or, or guys that have definitely been headed to the Hall of Fame? I mean, Kevin Green, some guys there that have some limited stints with the Carolina Panthers. But who did you expect to be on the other end of that call, Cody?
1: Well, so, yeah, and to echo your point, I mean, this is a 25-year-old football team. You know, they're almost as old as I am. A lot happens in 25 years, and the Panthers have acquired a pretty rich history in that time. We've had some up-and-down seasons, but there are definitely uh, a bunch of players that mean a lot to this football team. Uh, listen, I don't think it's a big surprise to anyone that everybody's, uh, you know, kind of felt that Steve Smith, uh, was going to be a part of this. Uh, he's always the person that I had in mind. Everyone loves Steve Smith. Uh, he's a Panther legend. We've dedicated our final segment of the night to the legendary Steve Smith. Um, another player that I thought, uh, who I thought might have gotten the name in there is Moussin uh, Mohammed. You know, he uh, he isn't as, as well-known, obviously, as Steve Smith. He doesn't have the name in the bravado. But Panther fans knew who he was, and he was a damn good receiver. Uh, and a great contributor to the football team. And um, honestly, even though he only recently retired, I kind of felt Julius Peppers had probably done enough at this point to be included um, in that list. And um, yeah, so those were the three names that kind of bounced off the top of my head as soon as I heard that they were doing this. But shout out to David Tepper for doing it. This, This has been something that is very long overdue, and I'm honestly surprised that Jerry Richardson didn't try and do this sooner.
3: It announced, you know, he announced that, you know, they're building the practice facility. You got the bubble. uh, They're already, you know, putting a bubble up to until the full practice facility could be built. It seems like uh, that David Tepper came in here and what he recognized and what he saw was an organization that had become or was always stale. And that is that one of the, and and that seems to be uh, Jerry Richardson's motto is that he, I mean, he didn't talk to anybody which you're fine, you know, I mean, maybe that's best that the owner stays out of things. Uh, you know, you're real, you're older and some things and you don't, but it just seemed like yeah. Jerry Richardson had no um, energy when it comes to adapting the organization. And, and, and I will tell you this is that we're probably farther behind other teams than we know when it comes to this, whether it becomes our media. I mean, look at the Panthers YouTube channel. Yeah their youtube channel there are kids that there are movie there are people that my kids watch that tear open slime balls that have more subscribers than the carolina panthers youtube channel they barely use it as a means to getting to their fans so i think tepper has made a a solid effort and he recognized that this is where we're lacking that the carolina panthers needed to find a way to connect with the needs involved and be in touch with the desires of their fans because the fans had a lot to say oh we forgot he changed the field logo that was the first thing he did he has listened to everything that the fans have said and then uh, this hall of honor is one of those now I was with you I thought this I had a theory I had a belief that on the other end of that call was Julius Peppers I thought that um, Julius Peppers was going to be the guy that Tepper inaugurated this expansion with, a number two overall pick by the Carolina Panthers, a a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy that he had established a personal relationship with. But my theory was this, is I thought the guys that they were going to bring in, I thought it was going to be Smith, Uh, I thought it was going to be Peppers, Smitty, DeLome, and Jordan Gross. And my theory for this was is that if you bring in Peppers and Smitty at the same time, Smitty can't ever overshadow Julius Peppers. Even his accomplishments on the field, he can't. So I think that Peppers would ground Steve Smith to a certain degree. I think the relationship of DeLome with Smith would also help to make that transition easier because we know that Smitty has harbored some difficult feelings when it comes to the way he was released by the Carolina Panthers. And I thought this is I've heard that the Carolina Panthers are trying to land Jake DeLome to be the new color commentator to replace Eugene Robinson. But Jake DeLome doesn't want to do a full 16 games because he has this horse business. So... What I thought is that they were trying to woo DeLome into more games by bringing him into the Hall of Honor. You bring back Smitty and you ground him with peppers. That was my theory. I had all of this and I thought Jordan Gross was a longtime Panther career guy, but those were not the players. Two of them were, three of them were. Cody, let's go ahead and fire up the video. The Panthers, it's a fun one by the Carolina Panthers when it comes to. Uh, this, uh, you know, we love this. We, we, we're, we're fans. We're Saps. We're sappy fans.
1: We are, we are. And without further ado, I give you all your 2019 Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor inductees.
3: There's very few things in life that really make me emotional to where I want to tear up, and so
2: uh, it's good to be back. It's something that was so overdue. I mean, to have one player in the Hall of Honor after 25 years, it was time. It was past due time.
3: Smith at the 45, it's free, it's the it's touchdown! Deep downfield for Muhammad, he's got it at the 30, touchdown! Bro, there he is, Walls, touchdown! Walls diving catch, touchdown!
2: Shame on us if we let this pass us by. Ain't nothing can stop us, man look at the short time that the Panthers have been here, this is the next step with a new owner and combining the two states and the history of what the team has done, what it will do in the future, and the imprint that the current and former players have on this organization, on this city, and on these two states. And I can look back
3: and say, I'm part of this. I'm part of it. That means a lot
2: a little touchdown dance, get down, and spike it, shoot it like it was a bird. I have a lot of respect for how he carries himself. He's him, man. I think the world it's is deep.
3: The Carolina Panthers organization, and Mr. Tapper, give me an opportunity as a father that I get to share with my family what Dad used to do to complete that sentence. So the players that were introduced into the Panthers' expansion of the Hall of Honor was Steve Smith, Jake DeLum, Jordan Gross, and Wesley Walls, right? Wesley Walls being what was the the most successful and best tight end in Panther history until Greg Olson. I think that Greg Olson has already surpassed him uh, probably statistically, maybe not in meaning to the team just yet. But there's your guys. What do you think about the uh, the inaugural class of the Hall of Honor?
1: I mean, I love it. In my mind, this is just another brilliant move by David Tepper, and it's something that I kind of already said. I mean, we're not the new kid on the block anymore, man. We have a 25-year history. I mean, this is a team that's been through a lot, but I'm, I mean, listen, I, I live in downtown Charlotte. I can speak to just how much it means to the city, and and I know that people all over North and South Carolina Love this football team. I mean, everyone in our chat has vivid memories of their own from different times of the Carolina Panthers history. And you remember these players, man. You remember Steve Smith winning that game against the Rams. You remember Jake DeLone, you know, being a, a, a fantastic quarterback for a long time for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, this has been long overdue. I feel like David Tepper is, is really trying to submit a legacy, not just for himself, but to really accentuate the history that the Carolina Panthers have built up. I mean, there are a lot of players that just mean a ton to a lot of people, to a lot of fans. I'm happy that they did this. Um, I'm happy that David Tepper did this, that he's continuing to try and do things to garner support from the fan base. Um, I I love it, and like I said earlier, it, it really does surprise me that Jerry Richardson didn't decide to do this Earlier I mean this doesn't seem Like a hard move to make um, I love it I think David Tepper as of right now is making All the right moves and I love This I, I think it's awesome
3: Yeah uh, my one my Question to you guys and I'll pose It to the, the chat room Is who else who's on the bubble Here um, I mean to me I think that The guy that's missing From this group is Julius Peppers I think he, yeah. I think he's missing, but I don't know. Maybe it's just too close to just one year. Maybe they're trying to make it a little bit more like the Hall of Fame, where it takes a couple of years. You know, you got to be out of the league for a minute to make sure you don't come back. You know, but yeah, who's on the bubble for
1: the Hall of Fame?
3: Yeah, who's on the bubble? I mean, obviously Julius Peppers is not on the bubble. That is a legend among. Pan- he's the best Panther. Fa- he's the best Carolina Panther ever, period.
1: I mean, first ballot. I mean, first ballot. It's, I mean, uh, we might as well say that he's in it because we know that he's going to be in it, man. It's Julius yeah, Pef-
3: just a matter of time.
1: Uh, yeah, just, just as we know, Cam Newton, Luke Keithley, Greg Olson, uh, these are names that are also going to be put in there one day as well. And, you know, I-, I think it's so important that David Tepper came from that long lineage of, of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And you look at the incredible players that have been through those doors in Pittsburgh and how much those players have built a, a lasting legacy uh, in that organization. And David Tepper wants to build that here in Carolina. So, um, you know, Scott Thomas is Rucker, Mentor, Casey, uh, as a few names that, that might be in there very soon. Um, there's a lot of names that, that, you, uh, that you could definitely throw in there. I'll pound the table for Mushin Muhammad. Uh, I feel he didn't have, uh, in the grand scheme of things, he may not have gotten as much love as he deserved. So I'm, I'm pushing for Mush.
3: I think, uh, yeah, Israeli Rail said this is Pepper's going to get his gold jacket first. Uh, and I think uh, Scott Thomas is right Rucker, Mentor, Casey are all on the bubble I think, I thought this is I thought John Casey would be in this group, to be honest I don't know, you know, I mean That is I mean, he was Almost a career panther Had it not been for one single kick He would have been uh, amazing it, it, He would have had an untarnished Reputation here In Carolina as a kicker I'm Trying to think, uh, Mike Rucker is one Um I don't think Will, know Will Witherspoon I did know. most of his stuff in St. Louis. Um, what about, gosh, I don't know. I don't know anybody else. I, mean, I,
1: know, one, I, I know one that is another first ballot. Um, it's a little bit more complicated, though. But if anyone tries to say that Thomas Davis is not a first ballot uh, a Hall of Honor player when he eventually retires and whenever they make him eligible, I mean, come on, man! Thomas Davis is the embodiment of keep pounding, and I genuinely feel he was probably sad to uh, walk out the door uh, and and go to the Chargers, but he wants to play. But Thomas Davis is the embodiment of a Panther.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh, Joe Rialano in the chat room says Brad Hoover, Lamar. Uh, where, okay. Who is the Lamar Lath? Oh, Lamar Lathan? That was one that back in the day a lot of people liked. I don't think Gamble was good. He was the best cornerback that the Panthers have ever had, but I don't necessarily know if he was worth uh, making the Hall of Honor um, just yet. All right, so we'll come back. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Cody. Uh, we got Joe Blewett. and Joe Blewett is the host of um, jo- the excuse me, Joe Blewett's the host of Turn on the Jets podcast, uh, and he's also starting a new YouTube channel. Joe's film room Joe Blewett's here tonight to talk about uh he's done some work for on scouting Brian Burns Joe welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast
4: yeah guys I appreciate you guys having me on
3: yeah thank you and uh so just tell us a little bit about the work you do uh quickly for the turn on the Jets podcast and what you're hoping to do with your new channel I was watching your show uh with a former Jets player correct
4: Yeah, I do a show with uh, Marcus Coleman. Uh, He was the defensive back who had, what, three or four interceptions in the Monday Night Miracle game. Uh, He's actually the head coach and GM of an Arena League team. So, you know, breaking down film with a, you know, former NFL player who played in the league for 11 years, pretty it's pretty exciting. And, you know, we break down every single game of the Jets. We break down all the prospects of the Jets. We break down, you know, player seasons, how they can improve, et cetera um how did you you talk how did you land that tell me that
3: because we need um what we need is a former panthers player on the c3 panthers podcast
4: well it was it was really just i asked him to come on uh strictly to do a review of the jets wide receivers and tight ends and then after you know i kind of sent him a text message just kind of like feeling him out a little bit and he's like yeah i would love to do it Like i had a great time talking with you and talking film and you know not a lot of shows do that and uh he really wanted to just jump on and that you know that's really how it happened
3: well man that's pretty cool all right, so you can follow Joe. Tell him it's Joe Br thirty one. Is that right?
4: It's Joe. Yeah, it, it, it's okay. It's Joe RB thirty one. Um, a lot of film, a lot of film work, and with a new podcast, or actually it's a new podcast and a new YouTube, I was strictly doing Judge Jet stuff. But now I'm gonna start having like votes, and uh, I'm gonna do a, you know a bunch of players from around the league. So I'm doing Aaron Donald soon. Maybe eventually I'll do a Cam Newton. And uh, hit you guys up for that one or something, but uh, yeah. going to do a ton of other players because obviously you know you you pigeonhole yourself a little bit just doing Jets players. Now if I start wandering out a little bit, that's how people really get to hear your name, so that's that's why that's happening.
3: Fantastic! All right, Joe Cody's here. Cody Lashney's here with me. He's my co-host, uh, helping me out tonight. And Cody is our draft guru, our film scout guy. I'm the guy who doesn't care about this until these guys are selected. Because exactly. I, I tried, I tried to be that guy a while back, and then I get fatigued by how much work it takes for so little payoff. And then when the draft happens, and nothing happens like anybody expects. So Cody, I'm gonna let you to open up and ask. Uh, uh, well, I, no, I'll turn to Joe real quick. Joe, just tell us overall thoughts on the Panthers' first round pick when it comes to Brian Burns.
4: Uh, well, you guys picked at 17, right? If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, sixteen. 17, uh, 16. 16. 16, okay. Yeah, so it was, yep. it was actually funny. I was actually – I got engaged a couple of weeks ago, and I was actually in Niagara Falls for it, so I didn't get to actually watch a draft, which actually really sucked. But um, he was my – if you look at my board, he was number uh, seven on my board, and you guys got him at 16. So I thought you guys made a great pick. Um, just in terms of him overall, you're looking at a 3-4 outside linebacker. I really don't think he's going to play much 4-3, and I don't think he has necessarily, uh, necessarily size to do that. I think he could play you know, in a 4-3 in a over or 4-3 under – um, look as a stand up, but I wouldn't want him strictly doing that. So I think you really got a rush linebacker. Uh, now there there's some questions about him if he can carry the weight that he that he carried at the combine. And I know that he tested well at the combine. That was one of the big questions. But there's a difference between doing one you know drill in the you know air quotes underwear olympics and then carrying that through a, a game where you're playing 60 65 70 snaps so that's a question about him but he was my second overall rusher um or sorry my third overall rusher in the entire class only you know uh the only guys above him were nick Bos and josh allen And i think brian burns in, t- in terms of his collegiate uh career he actually had better seasons than a guy like josh allen in terms of some of the moves he had uh, looking at in terms in my opinion the the best bender in the entire class with the most flexibility on top of having a lot of moves i think a lot of people you know look at him and they don't think he has a lot of moves but you look at his film he has spins he has chops he has cross chops he has swipes he has double swipes he has stabs he has long arms he has rips he has club rips um i now i think he can develop some of that speed to power i think that's that's something that you're going to look to um develop in the nfl but having a great get off having great bend and having great hands i think you guys got you know a really really good player
1: yeah, and, you know, Joe, I, I've been really excited about Brian Burns for a long time. I, I genuinely feel that the Panthers haven't had a dynamic speed rusher along mm-hmm. the lines of Brian Burns in a very long time, maybe if ever. You know, we've had Julius Peppers, but they have different arsenals and different mm-hmm. pass rush plans. Um, I want to emphasize something that you talked about. You talked about that um, that spin maneuver that he has, and I, I hope I'm, mm-hmm. I'm uh, playing the right, the right clip here, but... His ability to move, man, is really unprecedented. He he does such a good job at maintaining his balance all the way Mm -hmm. through his rush, and his flexibility allows him to to be able to spin inside and even almost trip and then maintain his balance and get after the quarterback. Talk to us a little bit about just what kind of athlete that you feel Brian Burns is because I've been making the point to everyone Mm -hmm. watching that we have a top-tier edge rusher Talent wise, yeah. on their hand, athletically.
4: Yeah, and so and and the good thing is, like like you know, I said, and you just said, um, he has the speed. I th- I think in terms of like you know the top guys, it's really him and Jakai Polite in terms of you know the the actual film in terms of speed. So you have one of the best speed guys in the class. But a question that a guy and Josh Allen had. Um, was the ability to win inside, and that was why he was questioned by so many guys. Where you saw him either as high as two or three, or all the way down to the you know lower teens for some guys. But Brian Burns has the ability with his speed, with with I'm sure you you guys have seen and shown on the show, um, with the the hip fl- uh, flexibility, the the torso flexibility, where he can completely disconnect his upper body and lower body to lessen his body to get around that edge. And then you put that on top of him him having good hands. And I believe you just played the play the last time, the spin move. And that, that's actually what I'm talking about right now, what you have up in terms of him lessening his body where you see his lower body disconnect from his upper body, which is really important because you need, to, you need your hips to flatten to the quarterback. But at the same time, if your torso can't turn the opposite way that your hips are turning, you're not going to be able to lessen that body. You're going to catch more shots in the chest. And he has the ability to do that. And he also has the ability to win inside. Now, if you can win outside, you know, that's obviously great. But then, listen, there's going to be tackles in the NFL. There's tackles in college football who could just keep, continue to overset you. And they're going to give you a really hard edge to, to, to rush uh, through. They're not going to give you a soft edge. And you're never going to be able to beat them, you know, up and around that arc and flatten out to get to the quarterback. Now, with Brian Burns, when you have the ability with that speed rush and that really good first step to make tackles open their hips up to play you outside, and then you have a big gap in that B gap to win inside, um, and you have the technique to clean Cross their face with cross chops and spins, um, etc. That makes him dangerous because listen, if you're gonna play him, you know, if you're gonna play him tight to the guard, then then he's gonna go around you. If you're gonna overset him, he's gonna beat you inside with a spin move or a cross chop with hesitations. So you have a great athlete, but on top of a great athlete, you have a guy who is already at, in his young career, uh, um, somewhat of a technician as well.
3: All right, we're gonna yeah, play I, I, that cody let's play that clip one more time real quick and Mm -hmm. just tell us what joe what we're seeing here when you say keeping your hips turning your body uh and Mm -hmm. and disconnecting that this is the spin move right here on the inside cody let's go back to the bend one the second clip you played and tell us what we're seeing here as we watch because that's what we hear bend Bend, you know, the flex, you know, and yeah. what are you talking about when you say the hips and the torso go in different directions?
1: Gotta find, yeah, what I'm
4: say. I'll, I'll have it up. To start, yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, and, and, and hopefully, I, sh- I send you a good one. And It's funny too because people ask me questions like the back, you know, I I watched how here many of them go. get the, let's just say, okay, let's just say, like, uh, here, let me see, I gotta, I gotta, if you would play that, that part where he, yeah, where he yeah. left his shoulder,
1: yeah, so this is against Jawan Taylor. Against Florida, and it's ca- it's kind of yeah, hard.
4: Okay.
3: The, the 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 crew can see it, the the audience can see it. For, sadly for us, it cuts it off a little bit on the left side. But okay, you tell us what yeah, you're so, seeing so, there.
4: So and and I don't know if this is necessarily the best example of it, because you know, obviously, like I, like I was just saying. Um just in terms of watching all this stuff and I have like hundreds and hundreds of plays, but he has the ability and you can play it again. If you can slow it down during that part, I can see if he if he really does do that. But I've seen him do it where okay, so do you kind of see how and it was a little bit before this, but how his hips how his hips are going to flatten out to the quarterback. Like if you can uh, rewind just a, just a tad Sorry, bit. Can't rewind yeah, it. we can only just
3: play it at okay. regular speed, sadly. Okay. But
4: what's your, but what, but, but, but what I'm talking about is your hips, your hips always want to be pointed towards your target. Um, and if your hips can't disconnect from your upper body. So if you, if you're going around the edge and you're stiff and you're trying to beat a, a tackle and you're going to lessen your body and you can kind of see me on the, on, the, on the podcast right now. If you're going to lessen your body but your hips can't disconnect from your upper body, your hips are not going to be pointed towards the quarterback. Now if I could disconnect my hips from upper body my hips can be facing towards the quarterback and flattening that angle but my upper body is not able to disconnect and I can't lessen from him, then I'm going to have less, um, then, then I'm going to give the, the tackle more of the area of my body to, to uh, more of a contact point. So you need to be able to lessen your body while your hips are still going straight towards the quarterback while you're are basically turning outside, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, what that's, I'm that's,
3: hearing here is this is kind of kind of meshing your comment with Cody's is that by yeah. lessening the the ability for the tackle to get his hands on you, but by mm-hmm. keeping your hips uh pointed towards your target, you're able to keep your momentum exactly. as well as not be thrown off balance. Because Cody was talking about the balance issue. I feel like this is once you start twisting all of a sudden a guy gets a hand on you and you're falling down going the opposite way, unless you're still, your momentum is truly still careening to the quarterback.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And if you can't disconnect your upper body and your your lower body, even if you're just going to get a shot from the torso, if your, if your hips are stiff, it's just going to, it's going to take you more time to turn that corner. So you always, you always want your hips flattened towards the quarterback um, and, he's, and he's able to, even with, even with a spin move, and I talked about the, the, the ability he has in terms of the technician, this is where you're going to see on this play where he makes guys overset him where their hips are already flipped and preparing for him to beat them to the outside. Now, when, you're, when your hips are flipped to the side, as you can see that, that the left tackle's hips are, are, are you know, flipped to the outside, it's going to be harder for him to recover inside. Um, Burns gives a hard plant. Uh, he, he's going to chop that outside arm like he frequently does. And then with the inside arm, the inside arm isn't something that he's concerned about because the inside arm is going to hit the back shoulder or the inside shoulder of Brian Burns, which is, he's spinning off of. So he's not going to be able to grab that shoulder or that chest because he's spinning off of that, off of that contact. Um, while he's chopping the outside arm, and he's able to get out of his spin moves, and and typically two to three steps, and that's a really fast spin move for um, a guy of his size and and, and his stature. Um, he's obviously not big, but he is not necessarily a, a strong guy. So for him to have that the ability he, he does in, in spin moves, it's really impressive. Because listen, if he was like a shorter guy, you know six six foot six foot one, it's a little bit easier to to pull off those spin moves. But when you're obviously when you're taller, um, you have to account for more of your body, and it's a little bit harder to get in of spa- in, in in and out of spaces. Uh, you know, in such a tight fashion, he's able to do that. So he has a lot of a lot of moves, and a lot of my I sent you guys as well. I'm sure you'll will keep playing some of them. So,
3: is that going to play yeah. well in the NFL, though? Is that spin move really going to work in the NFL?
4: Oh, we saw it with we saw it with Dwight Freeney plenty of years. You know, um, especially now if he didn't have that speed would it work no it, it wouldn't because tackles can can just you know, they're going to play you tight to that b-gap they're going to play you tight to that guard um and you're not going to spin them anywhere maybe you can spin them outside but how how effective is a is an outside spin move as compared to an inside spin move but when you have speed that spin move is going to work now if he was winning where i and, and there's differences between guys who i look at in college okay okay he's a really good college player but is he going to be a good nfl player and and the biggest thing in the nfl is 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 technique it's one of the biggest things if not the biggest thing in the nfl is technique he has that and there's five traits that i feel you need to have to be an elite pass rusher in the nfl um and i, I believe he has four of the five um you need to have power you need to have be it you need to have technique you need to have um length arm specifically arm length you need to have bend and you have burst he has the bend he has the burst he has the arm length and he has the speed. Now, is he lacking a little bit in the, in the power aspect of his game? Um, yes, but he's also, I don't know exactly his exact age, 21, 22. To say that he can't develop some more power um, into his game. Uh, it would be, would be a mistake to say that. But at the same time, is he going to be able to keep that flexibility, the ankle flexibility, the, the torso mobility, the hip mobility with that with that added weight? That's a question for an NFL team. I can't answer that. I don't know how he's going to react to that, but that's something that I could develop. So having four of those five traits right now with a possibility to to develop that fifth trait, um, I think you guys got a really good player. I, I, I thought that was one of the steals in the draft. I was saying, I was on another podcast. It wasn't a Panthers podcast. I'm not just kissing your guys' behinds. <laughs> um, I was saying that you guys... And I think the Vikings with Garrett Bradbury, had you guys had really, really good drafts in the first round. So I, I really liked Burns, and I was fine. Um, if the Jets traded down a couple of picks, you guys, you know, I'm Jets fans, then taking him. Now, do I want him over Quentin Williams? No, not necessarily. But there's there's a reason why we're, we're three and you guys are 16, you know, so.
1: So, so and you mentioned something um, at the top of our show. And, I mean, to be very honest, this is something that a lot of people worried about um, with Brian Burns. And, you know, I'm the Panthers analyst. For draft.com. And when I was writing about him and when I was studying, uh, Brian Burns, I also did have some doubts about his play strength. And I believe this is a clip. Um, I'll find it eventually, the one that you sent, um, against Louisville. And, uh, he really does need to do better, um, at, at setting a, a physical, uh, mm-hmm. a physical edge, which is something that he's going to be asked to do a lot. And I mean, there were times on the film that I did uh, I did see um, sometimes even tight ends um, really being very physical with him at the point of attack and mm-hmm. um, and really kind of bullying him around. I, so after this, I'll show you a clip that you sent that gives me a little bit of hope that, that he might be able to overcome this. But I want you to talk about um, uh, setting that physical edge. How much does his film concern you about his ability to be able to really be uh, the type of the defender that can reroute Mm -hmm. traffic and bounce running backs outside or, you know, really be an asset to the linebackers behind them, setting that physical edge.
4: Well, so, so there's kind of two things with that. You're you're gonna win with technique, you can win with power. Obviously having both is is the guy that's the guys you see like Khalil Mack, that's the really good defensive ends. Now I I have seen him win with, with technique plenty of times where he'll you know get low, he'll get his hips in tight, he'll get the first shot into the into the chest, um, he'll you know, use the extension and disengage whether it be um with with cross chops chops swipes or with just pure athleticism and and lateral mobility now can he do that yes but in the NFL as you guys know it's a big step up from playing teams like NC State or Louisville or Clemson or whoever it may be versus playing let's just say the Panthers tackles or the Jets tackles even if they do suck sometimes you know they're a lot better than any of these guys in college so He's going to need to develop some of that, some of that uh, power to take on guys as well. Because you can, like I said, technique wins sometimes. But if you're playing a tackle with good technique as well, you're not going to be able to beat him um, that easily, which is purely technique, like you could in college. So he's going to need to develop that. That's for sure. Um, and that was one of the biggest concerns I had with him. Uh, another one with the pass rush we'll talk about in a little bit. I'm sure is is his is is his bend and contact balance. In terms of rushing up the arc and not getting pushed too far up the arc, but he he has a developed technique in terms of um, how to set that edge too. It's not just his you know he has good hands and how to get off block sometimes. But as you saw that one play you played before, I'm not sure exactly who was I forget exactly who was against. But he typically he 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 pushes too far vertically and horizontally up the field where he opens up a big B gap where he needs he needs to to stand pat, uh, get good extension. And, and play tight to that B or C gap, you can't just open up a, a huge B gap because you're never gonna be able to get through it. So he opens up gaps that are way too big in the run game. That's definitely one of his biggest problems. And here, that's what you're seeing too. And uh, there are other examples of this as well. When you do beat a guy, if you don't beat a guy like Burns or even a guy like with draft and Ja'Kai Polite, if they don't beat them cleanly to the edge and give themselves a really soft edge, if that tackle is able to recover, get their their hand on the shoulder, the, the hip... Um, of of the rusher, whether it be Burns or you know, we'll talk we're talking about Burns, obviously. So let's just do Burns. Um, he doesn't have the the, the balance and the power, pa- not, not the balance, the power through that contact to to flatten out and get to the quarterback. So you're going to see him typically. I'm sure you're going to see it even when he's playing with the Panthers, where he'll beat a guy relatively clean uh, cleanly. They're going to get a hand on him and just push him up that arc and, and behind the quarterback, uh, you know, set point. So that was one of the concerns I had in college. But, you know, you hope that he could add, you know, that that weight or sustain that weight. I believe he tested that like 250, a little bit around, or right, around right around 250. And he performed pretty well. But like I said, the underwear Olympics and performing, you know, a, a, a snap or two at that is a little bit different than doing, you know, 55, 60 plays in a game. So
3: now he yeah, did.
1: absolutely. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead Tony.
3: All right. So here he did play like a ton of snaps in college. So one of the things is, yep. is when we look at the the film individually in isolation, we don't, you know, how, how gassed are you at that point? How is that affecting your technique? Um, I think another thing too, is you said his age, he's 21 years old. I looked it up. He at 250 right now if you could put on, you don't need to get him a giant, but if he puts on 10 pounds of muscle in the NFL program, that might be Mm -hmm. enough to get over the edge. The question is, is that when we look at this, and you brought this up at the beginning, the Panthers discussed in the offseason, they said that they were going to start to consider more of a hybrid offense and offering more 3-4 looks. So while the Jets potentially are fielding, the transition to a 4-3, right? Under Greg Williams, I believe the Panthers are ultimately transitioning to a 3-4 defense. And it really seems like while they continue to say that this is a hybrid thing, this is a hybrid thing, we're not going to overcommit, when you look at our draft of Brian Burns' When you look at help me out, my uh, Cody with fourth round pick from Alabama, Christian Miller, Christian Miller, Christian Miller. you bring in um, B- Bruce Irvin. You now only you have a very thin traditional linebacker group at this point. There, the roster seems to be being more and more built for that. While Burns may need that strength in the over art in the long run of his career putting him in a situational 3-4 in his rookie season do you think that that could capitalize on that young that youth and speed and athleticism
4: yeah well and and when I was talking about sustaining that weight he tested at 250 and I think that's a perfect way for him to play at so I, don't, I think if he can sustain the way he's at right now that's perfect because he played at college at around 230-232 he wow. added that extra 15 to 18 pounds um going into the combine so if he can sustain that weight and how he tested then he'll be perfectly fine um but like i said it's a little bit different between snap to snap and and and, you know doing in the combine so he doesn't need to add any more weight uh 250 pounds as as a 3-4 outside linebacker is completely fine and you guys transitioning into a 3-4 and obviously i'm not up to date with all the panthers stuff um but if you if you guys are you know um you know talking about Switching into that three four, I think drafting Brian Burns is a is kind of cementing that a little bit more because he's not a, he's not a four three end. Uh, I don't want him standing up in a four three, like I said, whether it be under or over front, um, which are a little bit different where you place the linebackers and some of the you know the, some of the fronts on in terms of the four down defensive lineman. But he's a three four outside linebacker. I, I think that's really all he could be, you know, in terms of like reaching his full potential. Um, so, if you guys are talking about that and there are rumors about that, I think that's w- what you're going to see um, them transition into. And even if they're on a 4 3, you know, it's not like strictly 4 oh, 3. Okay, well, all three linebackers to be standing up, or okay, it's 4 it's, 3 it's under. The Sam linebacker has to be in the line of scrimmage. Obviously, there's a lot of hybrid look like every coach talks about. So, in a 4 3, if he's one of the linebackers, can he be playing as almost like a, a fifth, um, you know, defensive lineman and just be lined up from five to nine tech? Yeah, sure. Um, but I think in terms of his effectiveness, in terms of like just really generic roles, you want him as a three, four outside linebacker. So.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, I told you I wanted to show you, uh, a reason why I was, uh, I was hopeful that he actually did have the potential to play with his hand mm-hmm. in the dirt. One, uh, FSU did play a lot out of four, three, so he may not have the necessary strength that you might, uh, want him to have. He at least has the knowledge of playing the position. And what I wanted to run by you was his body is so long. His arms are absolutely massive. And, you know, it's almost in my mind, like a leverage situation. If he's able to get his hands on the tackle before the tackle is able to engage with him, just by the very nature of him having better leverage and, and the first initial punch that he would have an ability to win even against bigger, stronger opponents. And so, for example, we have a clip here against Jonah Williams. Now, you didn't see him do this often, and one mm-hmm. of the criticisms of Jonah Williams was the arm length, but Brian Burns is able to put his hands right into the chest of Jonah Williams and walk him all the way back uh, to Jalen Hurts and and force a pressure and even the sack right there at the end. Um, you know, I, I look at a um, at a player, and I'm not necessarily saying that he will or won't be this kind of player, but I look at uh, – uh, Demarcus Lawrence, for example, for the Cowboys, you know, he does a- a- around the same playing weight as Brian Burns. And I just wonder if, you know, maybe uh after a year or two, if in-, in an NFL strength and conditioning program, if he might better be able to be a more versatile player than just purely an outside linebacker because of his arm length and his athleticism. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and when I mentioned those five traits that I that I that I need for outside linebackers in terms of the guys who I think can reach reach that elite ceiling um his arm length like you talked about and having leverage and getting your hands on first listen you could be stronger than me but if i get my hands on first if i have good technique if i know when to shoot my hands if i know how to make you shoot your hands either early or late and get my hands on first there's really not much you can do if you do have the necessary functional strength uh to be able to control their chest now now does he does did he show the ability to do that yes and with this play specifically i said this is something that he needs to do is with with guys with speed, you want to you want to see two other things with that speed. Obviously, you want to see him be able to rush up the arc and, and win on the outside hip of the tackle, but you also want to be able to see them win inside. Like I said, with cross chops, spins, whatever it may be, hump moves. But you also want to see speed to power. And this play that you just showed was a perfect example of speed to power because he rushes up the arc and he's and, he, and he's taking you know an angle to go around the outside hip of that of the tackle and Jonah Williams. But then once Jonah Williams gets onto his toes and he's off balance because he's trying to to combat the speed that brian burns has now he's off balance brian burns then flips his hips right directly into the path of the court right into the quarterback as you can see right there on that like third or fourth step he flips his hips right into directly into jordan williams so jordan williams is off balance uh flips his hips and, and takes his power directly into jordan williams as you can see exactly right there and that's why he's able to bull rush him um so now if he can develop you know more of that strength that he would have finished that now when he was playing right here you know he's playing at 230 232 He's now now he's gonna be playing um and I can't speak for the Panthers, but at least what he tested at two fifty. So another eighteen pounds, fifteen pounds of muscle, which is pretty easy to add on at twenty-one, twenty-two years old, um he he would finish this play and it's necessary to uh play these NFL tackles because um uh, obviously they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, they're smarter. So uh, but I do have faith that he will be a, a, a top-notch type guy. I I had him very high on my board and I think he has a very very high ceiling, and if he does develop that strength, he has those five necessary traits. Um, I believe to be an elite type player. Now we'll have to develop. Yeah, sure. It, you know, you're never gonna get a finished product in his first year. So maybe you know it might take him two, three years potentially. Um, but I think you're looking at a guy who he's going to be productive for you. All right,
3: let me follow up on that question there because first, if you didn't, if you if there wasn't that need, if you checked all five of five, then you would mm-hmm. be a top five pick. Right. I mean, is that generally now we know that there's some other players that get selected in top five that may not deserve that have all those things. But anytime you're picked outside the top 10, I feel like that just says that there is some work. You're just not we we just don't expect you to be a plug and play all pro Mm -hmm. from day one type player now. So we I, I think we can assume that you know, you do want to see uh, development. You want to see him in two and three years to be a better player, more advanced, have more ar- in his arsenal. My question to you, though, is this: I've always said that defensive end is the hard- one of the harder positions to translate transition to in the NFL, and that is you get guys that are are amazing in college, that are guys that are the top tier, like a Brian Burns at times. That type of, you know, he's three on our board. He's three, you know, we're ranking him close here. And it's two or three years before they come into their own in the NFL. I think of Charles Johnson, who was playing beside, he was a third-round pick now, but he was playing beside Julius Peppers 10 years ago. And still, with all of the talent, all of the tools, took two years to adjust. I think that offensive linemen are that good in the NFL to where they understand how to negate your athleticism. They understand they're playing chess while you've been playing checkers in college. Ultimately though, while you look at Brian Burns, do you see a guy who has more of a learning curve going into the NFL or less of a learning curve? Did we get a guy that was closer to the top 10 or a guy that was probably two years down the road where we see him, Start to shine three years.
4: Yeah, well, I like I said I, I had him number seven on my board, so in, in my opinion, you got a top ten player. I could have easily seen him going as early as you know Cleveland Farrell did to the to the Raiders. Um now if I was a Raiders, depending on what their system, what they're trying to run, would I rather have had a Cleveland Farrell or a guy like Brian Burns. I'm taking Brian Burns, you know, fifty times out of fifty there. Um and in terms of the guys, and this is what I kind of talk about where you're where you're projecting, okay, well, can they win this way in the NFL? And if I watch a guy and he's only winning with one or two moves. Okay, if he's only winning with a spin and a chop or a cross chop, then I'm not concerned uh, going into the NFL because you're going to need an arsenal of moves, which I went through before that he does have. Um, you know, what I be like? I said, what I'd be concerned if he had less moves? Yes, for sure. If he was winning with just just speed or just you know, obviously not a power player. If, if but if a players are winning with just power, just technique, just bend, whatever it may be, then I'm nervous. But when a guy shows an arsenal of moves, when I, like I said. Uh, that speed to power that you just showed with him and and, and Jonah Williams, winning outside, winning inside, using a ton of different moves, knowing how to use his hands, knowing how to counter. Uh, another big question a lot of guys have is countering. Okay, well, yeah, that cross chop works all the time against these offensive tackles, you know, and, and even at the SEC, whatever it may be, like you said um before you know you go from playing checkers to chess so if you can win with one or two ways then yeah it's a big question but the fact that he wins in so many different ways with so many different moves with such good technique I don't think he's gonna have that much of a of a learning curve in terms of that I think the only curve is really going to be in terms of just handling strength that offensive tackles have in the NFL um because let's say you know even with just bending that edge like I showed like we were showing before where he gets pushed up the arc um in the in college you know if you don't win cleanly Oh maybe can you fight through that? Yeah, p- uh, possibly. Even though he did have an issue with that. Now if you are you you're going to need to win even more cleanly in the NFL um to be able to win especially at his weight. But just all, all in all, I I think that he's a player who's going to come in for you guys and be, you know, is he gonna hit his ceiling in year one or two? There's sure. no way right. you're never going to. Von Miller did it. Cleo Mack did. That's never going to happen. So I hate when I see guys like let let's just say that Brian Burns. You know, let's just say he gets eight sacks his first year, and you're gonna have Panthers fans, I'm sure, just like you have Jets fans, overreacting and saying, "Oh, well, you know, that's oh, what we, gosh, before, we would eight sacks jump for joy.
3: One. We would jump for joy if this guy gets okay. eight sacks this year. Yeah. If he gets three okay. sacks, I'm gonna be disappointed.
4: Okay, no, well. We'll we'll have Jets fans, Jets fans who whatever fans. I know those fans who overreact. I'm sure you guys deal yeah. with them, and and they think that the player should reach his, you know, he didn't go to All Pro his first year. They're never going to Von Miller, Khalil Mack, you know, Justin Houston, you know, Aaron Donald. They were never there. None of them are developed by their first year, or, or you know, developed as far as they will be. So will he have a curve? Yes, for sure. Everybody does, but I don't think he has as steep of a learning curve as let's say even a guy like Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a guy who was drafted higher because he's just a freak athlete. He played at 30 um, more pounds than, than Burns did and, and showed just as good of, uh, or almost just as good of bend and burst as Burns did. So he's a freak, um, but he has a lot of work technically to do. So um, he'll have a curve, but I don't, I don't think it's that large just because of how technically sound he was um, at Florida State.
3: All right, we got a couple of questions being echoed in the chat room.
4: Let me ask you this. Do you have any there?
3: Everybody really wants to know about the Panthers' second round pick and Greg Little. Any thoughts on... The Panthers drafting Ole Miss left tackle Greg Little.
4: Yeah, I thought that was a good pick for you guys too. Um, I'm actually he was a guy who was kind of floated around as the as the as the end of the first round type guys. Um, and I don't necessarily I know you guys at least when I watched them, did them play the Jets a, a couple of years ago they lot they ran a lot of inverted veer they run a lot of quarterback power obviously. Um you got you guys having Cam Newton, I know you guys are at least trying to not run him as much because he is getting a little bit older, he's getting a little bit dinged up. Um but I'm not sure if you guys run more zone or gaps type system. I think he's better for his zone system. I think he's a guy, you know, he has he's good good height, good arm length. Um I think he weighed around like three ten, so he's not gonna be a bulldozer, but he's a guy who has really good um mobility, he has good lateral athleticism, he has good top end speed, he has good arm length. Um he has ability, ability to move. Now, do I want him kicking out a, a defensive end, or you know, pulling on a pulling on a on a counter on a counter tray and trying to kick out a you know a defensive end or a linebacker? No, not necessarily. But if you're just going to ask him to kind of get in the way of guys in the zone scheme, which is zone is more speed and athleticism versus um, power and versus you know gap type runs, which is it's it's more of me versus you. I'm trying to move you off this spot. I'm trying to move you out of this gap. Do I want him doing that? No. But I think he he has enough. Um, athleticism and arm length to be able to move a little bit. So I, I like that picture, you guys, especially in the second round. I thought he was a guy who was ranging anywhere from like that 25 to 40 range. So I think you guys got him a good spot where you did.
1: And also, if you think about Greg Little being in that old Miss offense, I, I hated watching Old Miss film. Okay. I felt that like it was just a bunch of talented players on a very uh, underutilized offense. Um, but, you know, they didn't really call a lot of drop back pass protection plays for Greg to be able to show a lot of that, there was a lot of zone read and, and options in that offense. Um, but, you know, going back to uh, to Brian Burns, I mean, I'm personally of the mindset that, you know, he is anywhere between, uh, you know, six and, and and ten sacks next season. If anything, I worry more about Brian Burns in his sophomore year because I feel when, when you look at what the Panthers have done in free agency – and bringing in Bruce Irvin, and we still have Mario Addison on the team. Um, You know, we've added another player in Christian Miller. I feel like right now, you know, on those third and and even second and long plays, that's where they they probably want to play Brian the most on those passing downs instead of having to prevent against the run. Let him use his speed and his athleticism early on, and then maybe next year after he's put on hopefully maybe 10 or 15 pounds, then maybe you want him to set more of that physical edge. And he might not have quite the numbers from that position, Um, you know, having to adapt to it. But early on, I feel that if if Carolina uses him on uh, primarily passing downs, he should have the the opportunity to be able to get home just as well as anyone else. So that's why us Panther fans are are hopeful. Do you kind of echo those same sentiments?
4: Um well yeah it's and it's all that's all dependent on your coaching staff and exactly you know who you have and you said Mar- Mario Addison and you're obviously you guys were bringing in Christian Miller I don't think Christian Miller is going to play you know any more snaps over over Brian Burns I don't think you're going to put him in you know over him in any really situation because they kind of have similar um, type problems where you have a question with Christian Miller and, and his functional strength. He has a ridiculous arm length, but he also has a he doesn't have the athleticism that Burns does, and he has some of the power concerns that Burns does as well. So um, there's a reason he went in the in the fourth round, I believe, to you guys, and, and Burns went you know number 16 overall. So uh, I think you guys are going to play him enough. I don't think you're going to draft the guy, and I'm sure that Panthers fans, if, they, if they're they playing him 60% of the snaps, they're going to get pissed off and ask why they spent such a high round pick on a guy who can't play every down. And I think him just, 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 like I said, not even adding weight. I think just just sustaining the weight that he already added. Um, he's a guy who can play, you know, all downs. Now, if you are going to use him as just a pass rush specialist, will he be more rested um, to rush the quarterback on second or third and long, like you said? And then, yeah, maybe he has better numbers where if he was asked to play, you know, let's say 60% of the snaps, 65% of snaps in, in, into 90, 95, will his numbers dip a little bit? Um, yeah, potentially, but at the same time, with him adding that weight, and that's what you're saying is the reason that he would play less in, in, or more in the second year, then he's also going to have more moves to use, and he's going to have more to his arsenal of pass rush moves to use against tackles. So I don't, I don't see him being a guy who's going to get, you know, 9 let's just say nine sacks his first year, then dip down to seven. I think you're going to see consistent growth. And like I said, with those five things that you need to be a good pass rusher, at least in my mind, in my book, um, if he develops that, that power, I think you're looking at a guy who could get, you know, I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen. This is what I'm talking about, ceiling versus floor. Um I think, you're, I think you're looking at a guy who could get 13, 14, 15 sacks in, in his third or fourth year and sustain that for a little bit. I really do think he's that good of a player because of all the five traits that he does possess or the four traits with the potential of adding that fifth trait. So, All
1: yeah. yeah. uh, right. Okay. One more thing I wanted to ask him, Tony. Did you have any um, – and this will probably be my uh, my last question for you. Okay. Um, unless Tony has something else he wants to touch on. Um, do you have a player comp? For Brian Burns, I know it it kind of varies among talent evaluators, Mm -hmm. whether or not they'd like to make comparisons to um, Mm -hmm. this player or another. Um, You know, I I kind of view him as a lankier. Now, obviously, this is, again, a huge upside, but a lankier Demarcus Lawrence. I kind of think that's what you hope it turns out to be. Um, But does he remind you of of any other player that, um, you know, Panther fans might be able to put their finger on and say, Oh, okay. So we, it might be reasonable for us to expect this kind of player in in his style and his production.
4: Yeah, um, I, I get the I get the Tank Lawrence thing, and with, just in terms of the, it's funny actually. Somebody messaged me before I, I put up a film review of uh of uh, a Tra, uh Trayvon Westco, the guy the Jets drafted in in the fourth round. I'm like, oh, well, it'd be really cool if you do player comps. So personally, for me, I, I really like to get into the film. I like to watch for myself. I like to. Um I, I make my own list. I don't look at other people's lists. I have I have thousands of notes on my computers about things I've watched and I can show examples of all of them like I sent to you guys so I've only been watching for like two years of, of really strict a college film and knowing the guys coming out so in terms of the player comparison I'll, I'll be reaching a little bit if I do give them which I'll, which I'll give one like guys who I've just seen generally in the NFL because listen have, have I watched a thousand reps of Khalil Mack and film and broke him down um, no not necessarily or have I watched Leonard Floyd you know so um, I like to really know what I'm talking about before I make comps but if I was to reach a little bit and make one just being very honest um, I think like a letter, a letter Chandler Jones, because I think Chandler Jones is a guy who wins with a lot of, uh, a lot of athleticism, a lot of flexibility, and a lot of technique. And I think that's how Brian Burns wins. He wins with really good flexibility, is both his ankles and up, his upper body, a lot of technique um, and fantastic athleticism. So, you know, Chandler Jones has a couple of pounds on him, but in, just in terms of the way they win, um, that's what I see his ceiling being. Now, am I saying, you know, am I coming on here and, like I said, just blowing smoke up you guys to, to try to, you know, get some likes or whatever? No. Um, no, but on, in terms of his ceiling, that's what I feel. Now, could he be a guy who also is, is topping out at you know eight nine sacks a year if he's not able to sustain that weight and, and uh, be able to maintain you know the athleticism that he has? Yeah, he could be that too, but um, I don't see that just because of the technique as well. So I would say a, a lighter Chandler Jones if I if I had to uh, reach a little bit and just being honest.
3: Tons of yeah. people watching on YouTube right now. Thank you for your support, guys. Go ahead and smash that thumbs-up button. Only half of you have smashed the thumbs-up button. I know y'all just being lazy. Turn your phone to portrait mode, smash that <laughs> thumbs-up button, and go follow Joe Blewett on Twitter, at rb 31 Joe, last question of the night for you, and then we'll let you get out of here. We've held you all night long. Just tell us overall what your <laughs> thoughts are on the Jets draft. Let's uh, I mean, we are, we've got yeah. some good, fr- I strangely, we have always made a lot of friends with jet fans. I guess it's just the AFC, uh, disarms people when it comes to Panther fans, but we've always had great jets guests on and we strangely have always had these, uh, who was it Cody that went and played for them, uh, last year defensive end that we drafted two years ago. Tony Coney Ealy. Yeah. So we've, yeah. We, there's always these weird storylines connecting us to the New York Jets. What'd you guys do in the draft? Tell us what your thoughts were.
4: Yeah. Uh, the Coney Ealy, the pass deflection master for the Jets. He played like 15 <laughs> snaps and had like nine pass deflections. I love that guy. I don't know why they got rid of him. Um, But yeah, for the Jets and I'm, I'm a very honest Jets fan. There was, there was a couple picks in the draft, obviously uh, Quentin Williams. And I, Posted a thing, or I don't know if it's still on my on my timeline, but I I, I pinned it, um, before the Jets drafted anybody, and I I felt that Quinnen Williams was the best player in the draft. They got him at three, so I'm ecstatic about that pick. I'm thinking him over Bosa, and I can go into film about those guys all day. I'm thinking him over anybody in the draft, and it was not even relatively close for me. And I know there was other analysts out there who felt the same way. I, I think Nick Bosa is a little bit overhyped, um, in terms of living off his brother' names a little bit. I think he has a I think he's a very high floor. Um, but a relatively low ceiling in terms of like being one of those elite type rushers i never feel like he's, like he's going to be that but so i like i love the jets uh, first round pick and Quentin williams jakai polite i'm sure as you guys know in doing a show that jakai polite was viewed as a guy who was going to be a top 15 top 20 pick in the draft until he bombed the the combine and all that stuff and listen the combine he he, he sucked at testing he got like a he, got, he ran like a four eight something but there's always a difference between guys who um, win on film and then they win in the underwear Olympics. And I saw what he can do on film, so I'm not going to overrate what he did or over, or, or kind of just uh, take it for too much what he did in in the uh, in in the combine because I'll just drop him back down to 235, 240, and let him strictly rush a passer. So I liked him because of a really high ceiling. And listen, it's not like he's like Tyree Kill out here beating his baby mom and all this stuff like we see in the NFL too much nowadays. He 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 sucked at interviews at 21 years old. Can you get over that? Sure, you can. There's some guys who just can't 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 get interviewed they don't know how to answer questions so i like that pick um, now with Chuma in the in the third round, uh, I thought there were some guys there. I believe uh, uh, it wasn't Risner. I forget exactly. What, I forget what tackle was there, but there's a tackle there who I wanted over him. Um, so the Chuma pick, I think, was okay. Pick. I give that like kind of like a C plus. Uh, fourth round pick. There's a couple other guys who I who, who I rather had at that point as well. But I think Trayvon Wesco is a really good guy in terms of in line blocking tight end, a guy who, who offers some yak and a guy who's never going to go down easy. So I like that. But there's also a guy who you know I thought was probably the biggest stealing entire draft and hakeem butler at the top of the fourth round which is just absolutely ridiculous um in my opinion he was the best receiver in the draft so with the, with a couple of those guys i like the players i think they could have taken a, a couple better guys in terms of truman adoga and Trayvon wesco and then later in the draft they got cashman who listened the jets if you guys have been following if you guys are following the nfl at all the, you know the panthers fans i do not they're like you know i don't know exactly who your listeners are but you have cj mosley you have avery williamson you drafted a guy who at his absolute tops in the Jets defense is going to be a backup linebacker. So I didn't love that pick, You know, I do think he's a decent player. And then they drafted the kid from Rutgers, uh, Blesson Austin. In the last two years, he's played five games. So... I uh, didn't love the last two picks of the jets and the and the third the second third round pick and the fourth round picks were kind of just like they're kind of f eh picks to me, but the first two picks I was absolutely ecstatic with, with uh, i, with I lied
3: jets. i lied I do have one more question. tell me this on draft oh, right, uh draft night well, I know that you weren't able you said you got engaged on draft night is that right?
4: Yeah. So, what kind of so, scout gets I'll engaged
3: make, on draft night?
4: No, uh, I'll make I'll make a long story <laughs> short. Um, basically, I was playing it in like December. I booked the hotel and I was like sitting there one night, like you know, like I do. I have like insomnia. I can't sleep. I'm like, what? What is April 25th? I'm like, I don't know why that date seems familiar. I was like, oh damn, like that's the draft night. So yeah, it's funny. You guys have had Scott Mason on, and I know that uh, you guys were laughing about Daniel Jones and your hate for Gettleman and all that stuff, which I I, I love Gettleman personally, but. Um, <laughs> That that's night, what yeah, my was question
3: walking. was gonna be: Is how does this make you feel right here? This question. This oh, it's fantastic Man, to God, string on Eli Manning, who,
4: who at this point is is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion, behind an offensive line that's really not that good. Uh, you know, have fun with Gavilman uh, drafting Daniel Jones, who I think you could have probably gotten in the second round easily. Um, be my guest, because this that question, that yes. uh, he is just blowing up that team. So I'm I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. And that was like capping off that night because, like I said, I got engaged that day had to call Scott Mason to tell me the pick because I couldn't get any freaking Wi-Fi in Canada because they don't have towers out there, I guess. And I was calling him talk talk about Quentin Williams, and then I figured out later that night that they drafted Daniel Jones at 6. Just the best one of the best days of my life for sure. Here's,
3: here's Scott Mason right, right here, I Scott think. Mason. Also, this is why we record this show live. Oh, Go this on. is uh, man, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm less afraid now because I know how those mugs can kill us. So, so we're here talking about Tampa Bay taking is, a linebacker well, over Josh Allen. Draft. And then yeah, here it comes.
0: What? You're talking to me? Yes.
3: yes. Here it's good. Yeah, so
0: uh where I'm at is they needed a counterpart. Oh sorry, I'm laughing
3: at the drive. No, this oh, is oh, important. <laughs> Oh based, my God! Yeah. The Giants Cody, we're, don't, don't, come team, come, don't call it. Oh. Don't oh, <laughs> 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 oh, call it, Cody. You're calling it out. Oh my God! Call it out, Cody. Oh my hey, God!
5: Well, this is amazing.
1: It, <laughs> gentlemen, in my fucking life, dude. Oh my God! Oh, my God. Did, oh, my God. This Did he really go a night for a Jets fan? Did he do it? <laughs> oh, oh my God! All right, dude. so that's
3: Scott Mason laughing in the face. Laughing we, were in the
1: back. Few, uh, we were also a few beers in at that point too, so we were feeling. Oh, so good. was I.
4: So was <laughs> I. I was I was celebrating a lot that night uh, for for both the the engagement and and that that was just that was a really good night or a really good way to end that night. Uh, the Giants just consistently. They is there a bigger joke in the NFL right now more than the Giants? I I I, I don't think so personally. Um, so to have that with the Jets on the uptick, now am I saying the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl? No, but if you look at the additions they made, there's there's some reasons to smile, um, you know, in in East Rutherford right now. So uh, seeing that plus the Giants, it's it's definitely a good thing.
3: I sent Scott a picture, a clip from the old movie Dumb and Dumber, where they give, where they put the hot peppers on the guy's burger, and then he eats it and he has like a heart attack, and then and he's like laughing in his face, like ha! Ah! Like that's how I felt. Scott was he was mm-hmm. laughing in them uncontrollably in giant fans' faces. It was so great. That's why we have a live Ooh. show
4: every draft because there's always
3: something like that that we get.
4: You, to pull. you just got. Have- you have to think about it from our point of view. Is from my from my entire life we've been the Giants' little brother and and you know basically disrespected as fans and you know they're so great and we're terrible fans all that stuff and now it's kind of the other way around a little bit. Uh, it, it feels good for sure. So we can at least you know you're in the AFC and the NFC, so I have no problem rooting for you guys. But every game you watch the Giants, just please root for them to lose because I I smile every single time. I I, I can't stand the Giants. I'm the only Jets fan in my entire family, uh, with 99 other other Giants fans. So when they lose, I, I definitely I definitely get happy.
3: I hear you. You're listening to Joe Blewett. You can follow him on Twitter at JoeRB31. Joe, go ahead and tell us again about your podcast and your upcoming YouTube mm-hmm. channel.
4: Yeah. So the main podcast, TO TOJ film room on the uh, podcast app and on uh, YouTube is just me breaking down a lot of Jets players. Every single Jets games we talk about concepts from you know cover three replacement to cover three buzz to cover three cut, all this different stuff that not a lot of people know about. Um so that's a lot of Jets type stuff with reviews and the draft play the draft guides. And then I just literally just started a new one. I didn't even put a video on it. It's just called Joe's Film Room, super simple. I'm going to be doing players from all around the NFL, um, a 45 to two hour re- review of these players. It's going to be a podcast as well. So if you want to listen to, you know, me talk about Aaron Donald and then maybe Cam Newton one show or you know, Odell Beckham, I'm sorting it up as well. So it's going to be pretty fun.
3: All right. Fantastic guest tonight, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to, we're going to get you back in the future. Because this is what we do cool. every Tuesday night. You guys go follow Joe Blewett. Go to check out his podcast because this is what the people who watch these shows each and every week want. They want a deeper dive into sports and that knowledge that we're trying to seek and find. Joe delivered tonight. Thank you again. Joe, we'll catch up with you. Cody, you got oh, to go. be excited about that. Uh, you got to be excited about the positivity coming with Brian Burns there. It sounds to me like there's an upside of an elite player there. Yes, could there be some learning curve? But it doesn't sound as steep as it can be uh, traditionally for defensive ends.
1: No, it really doesn't. And and you know, there's something that I want to drive home to our viewers. You know, being drafted a top end athlete, a high level athlete that has incredible bend. I mean, I mean, you you heard Joe. Uh, I mean, talking about his hips and his ability to face the quarterback even while the tackle has his hands on him. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a, a level uh, of athlete that is, I mean, th- that's what you want on your defense. And normally guys that athletic and that naturally talented. It doesn't take them very long to pick up on cool new shit. So, you know, hey, man, give him some time. Let him learn. Let him be in the locker room full of guys lifting weights that are leaders. Uh, Hell, Christian McCaffrey and his buff ass is going to – it might have to teach Brian Burns how to set the edge, man. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've seen CMC, man. He is like the Hulk right now. Well, I think, too, uh,
3: that you get – there's a great picture on Reddit right now of him with uh, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore and – he looks so sad to be taking this picture while wow, those two guys are happy. And the caption is something to the effect of like Christian's mom said before we come here, little guys, we need to get, uh, we need to get a picture before we get you playing that, that football game. And he's like so yeah. miserable. Like, let me play this game. But, uh, you know, what is that? Look, is I bought into the belief that, uh, Christian McCaffrey could be too undersized for the NFL. I I had concerns there, and so when you see guys like that who have this elite athleticism, who have kind of that it factor, it's an it factor that you can't teach that, you can't yeah. teach that, and but you can bulk up with the help of medicines. <laughs> I don't know if that's the now. Just say, well, you can bulk up. Supplements, and, and, Tony. Yes, yeah,
1: supplements. supplements.
3: They are twenty. He is twenty-one. Let me just say you're not a man at twenty one, even though these are men men. You know what I'm saying? These are different. These are more men than the average twenty-one year old. They're still not the men they're gonna be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm showing the picture right now. Yeah, Christian doesn't uh doesn't look very happy, but uh, dude, his arms look furious, dude. God. I mean I've got concerns, I've
3: got suspicions, I'm not gonna lie. It's crazy.
1: Just a warning to, uh, you know, every, every female viewer watching our, our show, you know, you might have uh, heart palpitations looking at, uh, at Christian. We all know. Okay. We all know. We understand. Oh,
3: why is it not um, showing on the broadcast? That's crazy. It's showing uh, on our end, but it's blank on the broadcast. Let me try it one more time.
1: Let me try it one more
3: time. Boo, boo, boo. So, all right. Well, we're gonna to go to, but I I think here is this is that see it shows on our side, but it's not it didn't show on the last time. But just take our words for it, folks. He looks sad in the face, and his arms look happy as happy can be. So Cody, let's uh yep. let let's move on with the conversation. We'll go to this. Let's talk about uh the the Carolina Panthers. The the other news that's come out of this week. They've made some changes to the rookie minicamp. It looks like they've consolidated the rookie rookie minicamp according to um according to yeah, Panthers. For yeah, for some reason it's strange because it's showing <clears throat> on our end. But according to Panthers.com, the Panthers have made some substantial changes to the way they're holding rookie mini camps, which begin Friday, by the way. So more news to talk about next week yeah. on the C three Panthers podcast. But what they're doing is is they're lessening the people that are invited. I think they uh, they bring out. Oh, it did show up this time, Cody.
1: Yeah, I saw it, and as soon as it showed up, I exited out of it. Yeah, because I didn't think it was going to show. So yeah, the, of course it's on the official Panthers Twitter and it's on the Panthers subreddit. So if you want to check it out, go there. The the change being is
3: that they usually have a lot of walk, like walk on tryouts almost and uh some right. potential other veterans that they mix in but in the past they've have, they've fielded somewhere over 35 guys uh at this rookie mini camp that they're working with and doing a lot of on-field work and what we have heard in the past and go back and listen to the Ron Rivera press conferences of old at the end of every rookie mini camp he he talks about that they throw a lot at the guys, and they want to see who retains it when they come back. And it's almost like a test to see who are the guys that are are, are the sponges, who of these rookies are going to be the most uh, receptive to coaching. But this year, it looks like they've slimmed the numbers down to 12, right around the number 12. Eight of them are former American Alliance of American Football Players, Four of them are going to be undrafted rookie free agents. And then you're going to have, I guess, the 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 Panthers draft picks as well. So really, you're talking about somewhere 15, 16, 17 players maybe. I don't know. I mean, obviously the draft picks would have to be there. Maybe some of them who are still negotiating contracts or some of the nuances, maybe a Burns, maybe a little. I expect them to be there. Ultimately, though, Cody... We were talking before the show. This seems like a positive move. I see an upside in this. It seems like what you're doing is investing in guys you believe are going to be a part of the team rather than spreading your attention, your coaching, and your reps out and trying to do too much in too little of a time.
1: Yeah, and there really is a difference between the college game and the um the college game and, and the professional game. So, you know, it really does um, – I, I don't mind them taking – a, uh, a more analytical bent with how they're deciding to do things and even bringing in um former nfl players and players that have played at a reasonably high level uh, in the aaf um rip to the aaf um yeah i mean i'm not i'm not really mad at the new approaches um and another thing that jordan rodriguez had pointed out on twitter is that uh, they're kind of forced to do a little. Uh, to do things a little bit different this year because they're building the bubble around the practice fields, so they're apparently they're not even in condition um, to even really be played on right now. So I, I don't mind this. I don't mind having our players sit down on a more X's and O's style session um, and really kind of narrowing the the pool of players that we're bringing in and, and sharpening their their mental awareness as to what the Panthers want them to do. And I feel the earlier you bring them up to speed, the better. So um, I'm, not, I'm not mad at this at all. If anything, I'm pretty happy with
3: it. Cody Kelly on YouTube says, uh, kind of all right with picking AAF guys over undrafted free agents. And he goes on to say more hungry, in my opinion. I agree with this too, because ultimately they are undrafted free agents with a little bit more reps under their belt. And that's the thing, is undrafted free agents potentially work out, but it takes a lot of time. What you're really doing is you're just working with the next step undrafted free agent, in my opinion. Now, what I really like about this move is that they said that there's going to be more attention to the classroom part. Like, they're lessening the on-field part. Now, it could be because of the bubble, like you said, that Jordan Rodriguez was reporting on. But what I like is this. Intensive work with guys you think could work out. And that is yeah. intensive class work and intensive technique work. You only have so many coaches. I want coaches working one-on-one with guys. I have been to training camp, and I know most of the people listening have followed this as closely as I do, if not even more closely than I do. We lean on the chat room. We lean on our listeners for insight because you guys are truly the expert fans You know, and that's what we're trying to be is expert fans that I can tell you. I'm not an expert at football, but I am an expert at being a fan. I go to these training camps, Cody, and they're not really practicing much. It is so few reps, so few Kind of like, and when I think of practicing, I think of a guy in like the batting cage taking a thousand swings. I think of a guy at a at a driving range or on a putting green hitting twenty buckets of balls, right? And that is perfecting and honing the smallest, minutest part. In the NFL level, they are so limited in their practice. They are so large on the rosters is that you see a guy like Damir Bird running like he gets to run that route one time. You better get it. Got it. Get it. Moving on. I think that yep. by intensifying and concentrating your teaching techniques on these guys, you could get more productivity and reap more yeah. rewards down the road.
1: Yeah. And you know, everyone, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, a, a lot of guys that you're paying a lot of money and you have to make sure that they're ready to play football and you know sometimes those on the bubble guys that you know they live for the preseason uh any and every rep that they're able to get, even if it's not ultimately for the that team that they're on, they're hoping to impress someone and, and have an n f l football career so anytime they're given the opportunity to impress they have to capitalize on it, and that's why I agree with Cody, you know let's have some players um some a a f players over undrafted free agents that are a little more proven you know they might, might not be high-end talent but you know i'm uh i'm i'm really uh i liked the way that they're deciding to move forward with uh, with the players and undrafted free agents and i'm overall happy with everything that they're doing
3: all right um and the news there was some roster moves this week uh, for the Carolina Panthers they released De Norris who was last year on injured reserve and and I, I don't think that this was a surprise to many is that it certainly wasn't to me is that as soon as we signed Eric Reed to the extension I pretty much saw that this was um that Cersei, you know, is that obviously that he was a temporary stopgap for the team. He was not a long term investment. He is a strong safety. He's released, and so is Isaiah Battle. But uh, right now, in speaking on this, Cody, is that really the discussion here isn't about Cersei. I think the discussion's about Reed. But most importantly, Panther fans, a lot of Panther fans thought that we were going to target a safety. In the draft, what does this tell us? Do you think is the Panthers? Does this uh, open up doors to acquiring somebody? Does this is this a vote of confidence for the guys that we have on the roster, or is this just kind of a necessary release?
1: Um, I feel it's a little bit necessary. I, I feel if you look at his concussions that he uh, sustained last year, um, I feel they probably want to get a little bit younger, maybe a little bit healthier. I don't know. It all just really depends. I mean, maybe it's a a way to save some money overall. But, I mean, we're very thin at the position. Um, I do not trust with Sean Golden to be a free safety in uh, Carolina's defense. Um, And then Scott Thomas says, let's bring in Boston. Uh, He's uh, alluding to to Trey Boston. And, yeah, it seems kind of like a match at this point. He has, um, you know, he's been on the team before. He has. Uh, the ability to play free safety or in the box. Um I feel the Panthers do like that um that position versatility of being able to play in the box and up high. So um if I'm a betting man as of right now, I, I would probably say Trey Boston is more than likely on his way to being a Carolina Panther. Um I mean I don't know how they would be able to feel comfortable with their current depth at the position and feel as though they have a competent safety uh next to Eric on the field. I, I don't feel that that person is on the roster right now. That's why a lot of people were disappointed that we didn't draft one.
3: I think it's too uh, I think it's premature to give up on a uh, Golden at even at free safety. I think this is a vote of confidence in Golden but I don't know if it's a vote of confidence at free safety. We've had a lot of fans indicate and a lot of great calls on the show talking about hey Golden could work out of the nickel position and um and and that could be a a an important thing for the Panthers going forward. So is that what who knows who knows but uh, I I do think it would be premature to give up on Golden. Uh Cody. Let's go to this is quickly. Um, let's let's play the Cam Newton clip because the 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 stream I must not have said it for to go long enough tonight, which is strange. I usually set it for a ridiculous amount of time, but let's try to push the show along. Let's go to Cam Newton talking about Will Greer being drafted.
2: Let's do it. And a lot of people, you know, the natural, you know, you would think that. I feel intimidated, you know what I'm saying? And that's not the case here. Reached out to uh, Will, actually seeing Will play in in, in high school, you know, with him being in Charlotte, and I'm just excited, like I said, you know, for him to come on a team that I know, uh, you know, he, he possesses a rare talent. And uh, I'm excited. You know, for me, it's my job to put myself and this team in the best situation and to get everybody ready. And whether that's Will, whether that's Terry, whether that's Elijah, whether that's Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, I want to make sure that I'm my best teammate, my best self for everyone.
1: That's a leader right there. That's, a, that, that's who Cam Newton is. And Cam Newton is not afraid of Will Greer. Cam Newton knows what Will Greer was bought in to do and I I tell you what, I don't know about you Tony, but that does not seem like an individual that's worried about losing his starting job. Yeah,
3: and no one should be, and there is no controversy at all. I don't even think drafting Will Greer really is a signal about Cam Newton's health at this point. I see Cam Newton in a public spotlight where I think he, thats all signs, are indicating that his recovery is going well. I think it will be faster than it was the first time. Um, Now, uh also is that I, I guess here is though you do have to say well why did they draft a a backup quarterback and maybe you know what finally you do you didn't have a solution you had no solution and the guys that you had back there you knew weren't solutions so there is potentially some wisdom in this here's will greer who also knows his position on this team on wfnz he was on with wilson and parcel in the morning um,
1: we know that cam's the starting quarterback for the panthers and, and that's been stated many times however as you come into this organization what what is your approach do, do you want to eventually at some point in the future of your career be the panthers starting
0: quarterback
2: uh yeah i mean absolutely i think that's uh you know that i think everybody that plays the game wants to, to be the best at their position and uh, if you're not playing you're, you're not going to be the the best at your p- position i think every uh, every quarterback that ever gets an opportunity on a roster wants to be the starter. You want to play uh, Quarterbacks a funny position in that way, but uh, I mean you said it Cam Newton is, is the starting quarterback of the Panthers uh, I have an awesome opportunity to just support him uh, do what I can to, to help this team win um, And at some point if I get an opportunity, I want, I'll, I'll take advantage of it uh, It's it just you don't know when that's going to be um, I'm I think for, hey, for the Joe. time being uh, that's, that's the, that's, you know, the call Jim. of the coaches and the, um, yeah. you know, the, the mm-hmm. authorities and the, and the organization to kind of make the call on, yeah. oh, um, you know, what they want to do. I think they got a pretty good quarterback in Cam Newton right now that's going to win a lot of games. Uh, and hopefully, I can provide some support and some some depth at that important position, um, that's and that's my role. Right All
3: right, so Joe, if you let me see, who's got a little? We got a little background audio there. Well, Joe, you're you're coming in on the back end of the show. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Joe. Can you hear me?
1: Can you hear him, Joe?
3: I can only hear you.
1: Yeah, Tony, you're breaking up for me too. So go ahead and drop out and come back in. Will Greer and how, you know, he's not really worried about the starting job. And, you know, uh, Will Greer has kind of handled it very professionally as well. You know, uh, basically saying he knows his role coming into the franchise um, and, and that he's looking to play a part. And, of course, he's a young dude and he wants to start. But, um, uh, yeah, what what did you think about, um, you know, Cam Newton saying what he said and Will Greer uh, saying the things that he said?
5: Well first things first, I think it's good that Cam addressed it, period. Yeah. Um, you know, he and he did it quickly. He didn't leave to like a you know, training camp to to address it. He came out to something right away. And I think what what I loved the most is he was like, bottom line, this is my team. You know, he made sure to put it in those words exactly, this is my team. You know, you're here, but you're the young buck. I'm the established guy, and this is my team. And um, that's what I like. He made it clear that this is my, you know, this is mine. And he took possession of it, and that gets me fired up for this coming season, man, because I think Cam really, really wants to come back in a big way this season, and he knows he has the tools to do it. Um, and Will is a, is, a, is a bright kid who, hometown boy, um, yeah. has the talent, you know, he's got the ability, it's just a matter of, you know, uh figuring out the mental side of things.
3: He might be the and, type uh, of player too, who is best suited for some development. <laughs> right is that Example. a guy that that needs to be trained up now Cody am I is my audio any better yeah no. you're fine now yeah okay so i think this is what i expect guys and i may have mentioned this on the last show is when it comes to Will Greer is this is that uh, i expect uh look he said the right things there is that he wants to he believes in himself but he also understands that Cam Newton is the guy and 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 he's there to play his part uh, as will greer but i expect this and and i may have said this in the last show that in a couple with rookie mini camps we're going to talk about this is man will greer uh picks up things quicker than we expected will greer is more advanced than we expected north Turner and will greer are like bread and butter together and then uh, i expect this is that uh cam New- that him to play a lot more in the preseason i'd love to see him shine in the preseason guys and then in a couple uh and then Cam Newton come out, have an MVP season. And all of a sudden that at the end of the year or in week seven, week eight, maybe next year at the beginning of the season, you can trade Will Greer for a second round pick or maybe a first round pick or something to that effect, a Jimmy Garoppolo model.
5: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a perfect description of what we, what the opportunity we have here. We have A, our future quarterback, or B, some potential trade bait. And let's just keep developing them, you know what I mean? We saw last year the effect of not having depth at the position. So we know we have talent, and let's get some experience. And who knows what this guy could end up being for us. It could be a future
1: Second round pick,
5: he's the first round pick, third round pick. And no.
3: all
1: right. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm of the mindset also that you know Will Greer, like I said, in my mind, this is a David Tepper move. He wanted a high end insurance policy. Uh, if if Cam Newton couldn't couldn't go, and we all know that the shoulder, we're all hoping that it's it turns out okay. But unforeseeable things happen, and you know David Tepper wants a return on that investment. He wants someone. That's going to be able to pick up the mantle and, and be able to go. So I'm not mad at the pick. I'm not mad at where we're. Um, I mean, we have not had a competent backup since what Derek Anderson. And I know I was not a fan
3: nah, of Derek ooh, Anderson either, in a man. lot of ways. Me so,
1: I mean, he he, he instantly represents um, not just depth but good depth. He's at the, the most overrated
3: backup quarterback. Well, I don't know, is that he had a moment where he was a starter in the NFL. He had a Pro Bowl year with the Browns. So that was what you wanted a backup quarterback to be. But, boy, I felt like he was a little dumb. All right, Um, the other thing is, is Let's go ahead and jump into it. Man, we've had a fantastic show tonight. We had over 50 people watching at one point. We had a great guest tonight. Joe Riolano even making an appearance at the end of the show. Let's go ahead and jump into Cat Calls, where we feature your calls where we get to hear what you want us to talk about because we know you're the expert fans and I know that my boy G Cavassier called in tonight let's see what's going on on the cat calls line the number is 252-228-5098
2: so what are your thoughts on cat calling yeah it's pretty sh- you shouldn't do that to somebody and how did that make you feel
0: uh, very uncomfortable
2: so how do you think cat calling makes the person feel
4: it, it feels truth, good like and a three
3: and, a four and a- who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his toe?
2: Hey, Panther Podcast, how y'all doing?
4: It's G Cavazier. Hey, I'm going to keep it short and simple, man. I like What's up what
2: I G? see. I do Christian Midler. His highlights, they look pretty, pretty, pretty good. Now, my thing is, is he going to start at Thomas Davis's spot?
4: Or can he switch to Shaq's position? I don't know. We just be like a, a linebacker that we have, or like a Russian, or a Russian defensive end, when we switch to a 3-4 on certain plays. Give me your take on that because, to me, the dude has
1: speed. And as Cody says, that dude has bend You know what I'm saying? So, give me guys' opinions
4: on that and keep counting.
3: Cody, I'll let you start off. Christian Miller, how's he fit this year? Uh, does he fit at all into the Panthers' scheme this season?
1: Listen, man, I, I said last Tuesday I believe that we got the steal of the draft. Um, should Christian Miller be able to be healthy? You're talking about a guy that who only – had 400 snaps last season around that number, and still managed eight sacks and the second most amount of pressures out of any edge rusher in the SEC. So Christian Miller had the potential to be a first, second round type of talent, but injuries really kind of hindered him along the way. So if Christian Miller, uh, you know, is able to remain healthy and stay healthy, I believe he sets a better edge than even Brian Burns does. I've seen him use his hands and back up a 320-pound tackle um, all the way up uh, into the quarterback. He did it against Greg Little when they, when Alabama played Ole Miss. So, I I mean, I'm hopeful that Miller will be healthy. Um, I, I believe he, he will make his money as a pass rusher. Um and that's what I believe he'll be the best at, and I'm very hopeful that should he stay healthy, he's gonna be a damn good one.
3: I think he's a couple years down the road though before we see him um being playing a large part on the on the team. I think that you'll see him play special teams in his rookie year. I think I'm just gonna say this. I think it's gonna be hard with all the guys in front of him, Brian Burns, Bruce Irvin, uh Marquise Haynes You know, at some point, there is, is there enough? Is there, you know, one of the things that hindered Christian Miller while he was at Alabama wasn't only injuries. He did have some injuries at the beginning and the end, but part of it was that you just had the top players in the whole entire college football on defense ahead of you the whole time and you had to wait your turn. I expect Christian Miller to have to wait his turn a little bit. But I would be interested to see this, is what does this Panthers defense look like in two or three years down the road where Brian Burns potentially is a star player and Christian Miller is a guy that's coming out of, not nowhere, wow. but growing into that position um, and, and becoming something special. Joe, any thoughts on Christian Miller?
5: Um, Yeah, I, I, I like his potential. He really has tons of it. Um, I don't know... Like you said, it'll probably be more likely next year that we'll actually see him making some kind of impact. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a great pick for us just based on what he might be able to do. If he can stay healthy, I think um he, he could really be uh, uh, the pick of the draft if he can stay healthy and, and play to his potential
3: yeah you've seen third and fourth round players in a couple of years turn into stars there's nothing to say that he can't be that with the pedig- with the pedigrees coming from his dad a former nfl player i think played with the giants as well as uh played at you uh university of south carolina it used to be on charlotte radio i found out with mark packer um and he's the pastor of pain on on twitter Cody Kelly says I think he's a rotating edge guy with Irvin Haynes and Burns Uh, I agree with that and also I would Cody will end the the Christian Miller talk with this is I don't know if I see him as a linebacker linebacker maybe can be he is adopting those numbers I mean the, 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 the I think they released the rookie numbers all right, Joe. Uh Joe, we're actually gonna be closing up. So Joe, thanks, uh, thanks for popping in. We're gonna be kind of Xing out of the show. I know you gotta go walk away. It was great talking to you, even if it was just for a moment. All right, uh, Cody, thoughts on this ultimately. Um if you were gonna compare him to the upside of a Deshaun Hall versus Christian Miller, I think that upside's bigger here. And Deshaun no, Hall I never believe- even he didn't even make it on the roster.
1: Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say a hot take right now, and, and I genuinely do believe this. And this is all contingent upon Miller staying healthy. Uh, if Ron Rivera does the right thing and, and Miller stays healthy, I believe that he makes that uh, he shows himself to be a contributor this year. And I really do mean that when I say that. I think this year his upside is crazy. He is a, a way better college football player, in my opinion, than than Hands was. I believe he has a better upside than hands. Um, I'm really high on Christian Miller. In case you haven't been able to pick up, the measurables up on
3: that yet. are there, and the the product. One of the things that you lacked when you looked at a Deshawn Hall was productivity in college. You know, and this is something that you said yeah. something about Gary. Is at some point, when does the productivity? Where does the potential outweigh the productivity? There was real productivity with Christian Miller last year.
1: Yeah, real productivity. I mean, eight sacks, and you only played 400 snaps? I mean, that's that's insane. Imagine if he stayed healthy. I mean, he might have been on track for 13 or 15 sacks, you know, plus another 400 snaps. I mean, you have no way of knowing. I, I genuinely do believe that Miller is uh, going to be a great player for us. I'm ecstatic about the pick.
3: All right, it was a fantastic show tonight. We had a big audience, lots of thumbs up in the YouTube chat room. We appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate all the people that are listening on Facebook and Periscope. Thank you for being a part of the show. Call into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252 228 We'll be talking about rookie mini camps next week. If you're listening on iTunes, tune in, Stitcher man we really appreciate it go ahead and leave a review i know look every podcast asks you to do these things but we're fighting we're fighting among podcasts to just climb up the ladder we've been putting in our time for six years and we thank you we do it because we've got a tremendous it might not be the largest audience but we may have one of the best audience and the most loyal group of panther fans maybe the smartest group of panther fans out there love it love your guys passion cody at the end of each show, what we do is we wrap it up with our homage to uh, Steve Smith. It's where we tell somebody to ice up, to toughen up, to get it together. Who you got for us this week?
1: So, listen, man, everyone knows, or I don't know if everyone knows, but I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Most people are. And we've talked about it a little bit on this show. Um, and, and this is something, it, it, listen, is this easy? Yes. But um, listen, I don't know how this got by someone. No one in post, no one, uh, at, you know, on the set. The directors even made a cameo on the set during this very scene and nobody picked it up. Yeah, if, if you're able to see it, I, I hope you're able to see it when I pull it up here. Um, yeah, they left a Starbucks coffee cup on the table on in one of the opening scene uh, uh, scenes of last Sunday's episode of Game of Thrones. And How did I just, nobody I don't see know? this?
3: How did they that's an easy f- That's an easy fix. you can crop that out. you don't got to reshoot that.
1: On the most expensive television show ever made, they're sinking millions of dollars into this. Nobody notices a Starbucks coffee just sitting there on the table. I mean, frankly, it's a little bit embarrassing, man. I mean, I know it's a small detail, but um, I mean, hey, that's free advertisement for Starbucks right there. So I'm sure they're happy about it on the biggest uh, television in the world. So
3: Algernon Ramzer says that's a pearl chalice.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what that is. Uh, So I don't know if it was an iced latte or not, but I'm going to, I, saw. <laughs> ah,
3: so, I see what you did there.
1: Yeah, you see? Yeah, I'm well, uh, smart. You know, so I, I saw to all the people uh, in, the, in the editing bay of Game of Thrones. I tell you I this,
3: is that the internet noticed and the internet will not forget. And for all you the assholes, is the <laughs> if you, if for all those assholes that made fun of us for all the terrible things we've done on the internet over the last six years and trying to figure out how to be a podcast. And uh, you'll get people writing then, and they'll be like, "I can't believe you guys did like didn't do better with the lighting or something." And which is fine. I mean, you know, the criticism is at least somebody's watching. Uh, at the same time, we're just a bunch of schmuckos trying to figure out how to do it on our own. These, this is like you said, the most expensive thing in the whole world. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, it shows you everybody's human. Everybody, everything. No matter how many hours you put into something, always a mistake slides by. There's got to be more of these around uh, the internet that we have to uncover. Not us, but you guys. The internet uncovers. All right. My up pick this week goes to something mundane. It might not seem like a big deal to you guys, but I generally feel like I'm a good tipper. Right? Is that I leave always... Like, I leave 20% standard for good service. I only leave less than 20% when it's intentionally bad service, right? So, I mean, I, and and a lot of times I over-tip for small things. You buy a beer, you leave a dollar. You buy, you know, you have to, you know, I have a $10 ticket and you leave five bucks at times, right, this... So I like to think of myself as a generous person, as somebody who is understanding that people that work work in the food service business, business need tips, and, and and I like to be a guy that uh is known as more generous than less. But my ice up pick this week goes to the guilt tip. The guilt tip is when you go to a place that doesn't necessarily that there is no etiquette for a tip at that moment, whether it be a pickup. For instance, I went to a self-pour beer bar this week. It's a new place in Greenville called the Emporium. Go support new local businesses. Emporium is pretty cool, you'll go up there, you put your little bracelet up there, you pour your own beer. We were all debating this when we were walking out, is will there be a tip line though when we check out? And there was. And guess what I did? I left a damn tip. Yeah, I got Got guilt-tipped. I got guilt-tipped I tipped a place where I had to serve myself. Now, how do I, am I wrong here? Am I wrong for saying the guilt tip is something, and and you know what, is that I am that self-conscious that when I look at that girl's eyes or to that person's eyes, when they hand me that ticket and I look at it, if I cross out no tip, I feel so terrible when I shouldn't. So I'm icing up the guilt tip. I wanna know Cody, am I wrong? Do you tip? Is this is this is a guilt tip or am I a penny pension miser?
1: You know, tipping is a very Western thing, by yes, the way. So it is. They, they, they don't, don't do you know, it in Europe. You know, no, they don't do it in Japan either. In fact, if you tip a waitress or waiter in Japan, it's like an insult to them so uh yeah, I mean listen, I think if you're at a place like that, I think tipping is probably uh you are probably just i mean yeah it's it's just that man, it's a goat trip um but i'm I'm the same way as you. Are. I normally tip pretty liberally, um you know, it must suck to be a server in this industry, but um yeah i I'm under team man
3: you know what's awesome is that might suck being a server in this industry where people don't tip and you deserve a tip but it must be awesome when you don't need tip when you shouldn't get tips and you get guilt tipped that must be an awesome feeling when they make more money no so uh, to you guilt tips I ice you up and I will continue to be guilted into doing it I'm sure Uh, I will no longer tip at the self serve beer I, I did it once That was my donation to y'all, but now I'm serving myself. I'm not tipping that. I'm going to give myself that own tip and get myself another beer. All right. You're listening to C3 Panthers Podcast. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, wherever you – we everywhere. We everywhere. We're like Panther Nation. We are growing and growing, and we're creeping out of the shadows and becoming one of the strongest Panther football fan bases out there. We're growing organically and our podcast, Reflects Panther Nation. We've been growing organically. One fan, one like, one supporter week by week. And we appreciate all 50 of you who are in the live chat room tonight. All of you on Facebook, Periscope. And we continue to ask for your support. The support can come in all types of ways. Just simple telling somebody about the podcast, simple participating on the cat calls line 252-228-5098, being a part of the chat room. Or if you're even really feeling funky, you can be a Patreon donor or just donate to the show so we can continue to do this and keep growing it and invest our energy and time and convince our wives, girlfriends, and our other ones to let us do this ridiculous thing or crazy times at night. Cody, how can they follow you on the internet and talk to you about all types of things Cody will argue with you over Game of Thrones, Sonic the Hedgehog, politics, but most importantly, football on Twitter. How can they follow you?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a good summation, man. Uh, at Codylac on Twitter. Uh, yeah, come hit me up, man. Now that we're kind of in the off season, uh, you know, my Twitter is as random as they come. But I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of things, but friendly is one of those things. Um, and hey, if you want to talk. That's it, man.
3: They uh I I must be So I didn't tell you They told me I was they told me I was getting glitchy, so I refreshed. They said I looked like I was on dial up, so I went and refreshed. Um I do want to point out this is Cody turned out to be right about the Sonic the Hedgehog mess. They even fixed it. They They now here is that it's one thing to say Sonic (laughs) looks bad, but to say the movie and the story the storyline looks surprisingly better than I thought it could be. That was my my point, but because I didn't, I didn't think that there was enough storyline when it came to Sonic in the first place to make a damn movie. So I was surprised that they even had any potential to make a movie, but boy, the internet spoke. That's got to be a humbling moment. When you make a whole movie, you're like two months away from releasing it. And then you've got to redesign the main character.
1: Uh, yeah, everyone's like, "Hey, this sucks. <laughs> we don't want to see this shit." And like, far, "Why is it. Sonic f- th- four and a half feet tall?" I mean, yeah, man. I, th- listen, uh, it, I, I told you it was terrible. Yeah, you need to start trusting me on this. Okay, I know my shit, Tony. Don. When it comes to when it comes to guilt tipping, I'll always refer to you. When, when it comes to Sonic. Refer to me. (laughs)
3: All right. All right. You're right. And that was one of my favorite games. Sega. I'm a Sega guy. I was a Sega guy.
1: All right. Okay.
3: Man, fantastic show tonight, Cody. It was wonderful hanging out with you. Thanks to Joe Blewett. Go follow him. And uh, we'll be back Tuesday
0: with uh, some more Panther Talk.
1: Keep pounding, folks.
0: All right.